0: Yes, you lovely people, if you're not already, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify.
1: Players are people who are competitive. They are there because they are driven, because they like to compete, they like to have a, a meaning in their life. And when you stop playing, what do you do? When people ask you, what do you do?
0: I'm Ben Foster. This is the Fozcast. Now, if you're watching us on YouTube, you may have noticed that we are in a slightly different surroundings to what we normally do podcasts in, aren't we, Tom?
2: We are, mate. We are in some new studios that look a million dollars. They look a million dollars. More like
0: because five
2: million dollars. They Let's probably be are honest. five
0: million dollars, yeah. They, they are absolutely top class. The audio, the video equipment is unbelievable. And that is because we are here at Spotify HQ on the Strand in London because... We've got some exciting news. Mega news for us. Mega news for us. Mega news for the Foscast. As of the 3rd of April, we are going to be part of the Spotify family. We will be a Spotify exclusive podcast. You'll still be able to watch us on YouTube. It's going to be awesome, isn't it?
2: Mate, super excited. And we're going to kick off today with an absolutely top Top-tier guest, aren't we? Top-tier guest. Somebody who is
0: so, so impressive. We have got the PFA Chief Executive, Maheta Malongo. Thank you for joining us, Maheta. We really do appreciate you coming, mate. Taking time out of your busy schedule, and I know it is a busy schedule as well. Um, first and foremost, for all the, all the people listening at home, can you please just try and explain what it is that the PFA Chief Executive actually does?
1: It's a good question. It's a good question, and I'm glad that you're asking because I think... It's, uh, it's important that people understand what, what a union does, because that's what we are. We're a union. So basically what we do is really try to, to represent the players. And when I say the players, I mean Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, and WSL. So we also represent um, the female players in this country. And what we basically do is, and by the way, not just the ones who are playing, but also the ones who retired, which ah, is something okay. which is very special about this union, because typically a union only represents the the active professionals. Uh-huh. So once you stop being an active professional, you're no longer a part you of the No union. longer have access to the union, but in our case, you can. So so essentially, we have fifty five thousand members. Wow, uh, spread across various divisions and also a number of former players. And basically, the the beauty of my job is that it goes from talking about women football on a Monday, on a Tuesday, talking about dementia, on a Wednesday, talking about online abuse. On a Thursday, talking about the calendar. On a Friday, going with the player to your hearing to see whether he or she will be fine or not. Uh, on a Saturday, attending a game and kind of um, talking to parents about transition post career. So, so it's it's very very broad, and and it's basically everything that you can think about in terms of any need that a player, uh, he or a she needs during or after his career. Uh, so it goes from mental well being to you know legal assistance to applying for an educational grant if you want to do an MBA somewhere. So it's, um, it's um, I think it's what makes it so exciting for me to, to really, you know, I, what I always say is that I think we we try to change lives for a living. You know, so, so every single pound that we, that we generate or that we have is actually spent towards trying to, to help someone. Okay um, so how,
0: how does it actually work so when it comes to the, the PFA the union how does it work because I remember back in the day when I was when I was younger right when I first got into football at age 18 um the only thing I knew that the PFA did was I would get two pairs of Adidas boots free every year, every season. And it was like, oh my God, I, I've got a brand new pair of Adidas like Copa Mundial's and a pair of Adidas World Cups. And I, I was buzzing about it. And that was literally, I thought, the only thing that the PFA union does. So how do how do you make money, for example? How does a PFA make money?
1: I, th- I think you make a good point about, about the visibility of what we do. And I think we need to do a better job uh, trying to make sure people know what we do and, and that we're available for them. So, so going back to what you were saying in the beginning, I think basically you become automatically a member of the PFA when you become a scholar. Okay. And I think you pay about, approximately, I think, £80 a, a year. Is that what it is? £80, is it? And yeah. and as a pro, you pay approximately, no, approximately no, you pay £150 a mm. year. So
0: every professional football player, yeah. whether you are me yeah. or Cristiano Ronaldo, for yes. example, £150 gets taken
3: out of their yes. wages per season. Correct.
1: Okay. And, and the, the beauty of this country and, and the PFA is that automatically you get paid £6,000. That you don't contribute to into your pension scheme.
3: okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So 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 you pay 150 and minute one you get paid into your pension scheme six thousand pounds. Yeah. That you get for every year that you're a professional and that you can basically rescue when you when you basically retire. So that's just one example. Of what the PFA does, no, but it goes well beyond that. So you have like the the boot, obviously the boot voucher, the famous yeah, boot yeah. voucher. Do they still do that, by the way? Yeah, yeah, we, do still, we, we still do that. Which, which, depending on the level that you play, is is a, is, a, is a pretty cool advantage. Yeah. Isn't? Well, um, I remember,
0: when, like I said, when I was when I was eighteen, and I first became a footballer. I was on two hundred and fifty pound a week. Mm-hmm. So when I get given two pairs of brand new boots, I was thinking, oh, get in there. That's a hundred pound pair of boots each one that I haven't got to buy. Which was brilliant for me.
1: But I think I think it goes then it goes far beyond that. I think you know. I've played in different countries, and and you know stuff like the standard contract we have here in the UK. People take this for granted, but it shouldn't be taken for yeah, granted. The type, the level of protection that you get as a player, you don't get that in Spain, don't get that in you know in France or yeah, Italy. You hear, you hear some horror stories about. What, you what do you mean about <laughs> the level
2: of protection?
1: What, what do you mean exactly well, by that? What I mean is that what we have here in England is is a standard contract okay. that basically has different clauses that protect you. For example, can the club kind of get rid of you if you get injured? The answer is here is no. Or, or certain under certain conditions, yeah, sure. you know, is there like a minimum guarantee in terms of your wages being paid? Absolutely, which is not the case, for example, in, in other countries. Yeah, I had to struggle to chase my my money at the end of the month in Spain. In Spain, you know, at, at, at the top club that I was playing for, whereas here in England, is never a question: will I get paid? The question is when. Yeah, <laughs> not if it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> and, and hence, I think, I, I think sometimes you need to take a step back and understand. You know where you come from, how did you get to that standard contract? This is the work of the PFA. How did you get this pension scheme payment, which, by the way, is a levy on transfers? Uh-huh. So the PFA managed to make sure that, basically, the Premier League will pay into a fund a percentage of all the transfers which o- occur in this country f- yeah. to then fund the pension scheme. Uh-huh. So, so that the way it's funded, but this is thanks to the work of, of the PFA. See, you know? th- these are the things, I think... I think people need to be made
0: more aware of because like you say there's there's horror stories all the time of people moving out to places on those say like Turkey or do you know when they go to the Far East or something like that and it looks brilliant on paper they're earning two million pound net or whatever it might be but the reality is that if that team goes on has a bit of a poor run or whatever they don't end up getting paid that month and there's pretty much nothing they can do about it either they haven't got they might have a union but it doesn't really do much for them when they're out there
1: and also what happens here as well is every time someone tries to, to change or to amend that contract we have a veto right Ah, uh, okay. so if the Premier League the EFL or, or whoever wanted to amend that contract we could basically uh, prevent it to ha- to ha- from happening in fact last year you may recall that the EFL tried to impose a salary cap yep. which would have been very damaging for the players and the PFA was able to, to prevent this from happening
0: is that what, so who makes a decision so for example the salary cap who makes a decision that we don't want this
1: So just to give you an example, in Spain, they would say to you, those are the rules. And it's happening. And it's happening. Wow. Here, they'll need to go to a committee that we have, where we sit there, the FA sit there, the Premier League and the EFL sit there. We call it the PFNCC. And then there needs to be agreed by everyone. So if we say no, it doesn't happen. If they say no, it doesn't happen. So everyone needs to be in agreement with it.
2: How many people are at this table when this happens?
1: Uh, It's just the main stakeholders. So basically us, EFL, which is the English Football League, the Premier League and the, the Federation, the FA. And us. So four main stakeholders. I
2: think the, the really important thing here to add a bit of context for the PFA, a lot of our listeners will will probably think for someone like Ben, Ben's had a, a long career, predominantly in the Premier League, haven't you? And whilst I'm sure you're grateful of the PFA support, the probably your concerns or worries aren't aren't that of a, a, a maybe a, a League One player or a League Two player, or even like a, a kind of middling, yeah, lower sure. champion, yeah. championship player. So to have the support contractually, legally, and the pension is really important, isn't it? Because it, it, the pension used to be 35, but it's moved to 55. Is that yeah. right?
1: But but I think you're making a good point, which I think is very interesting, which is I think there was this perception that maybe 18 months ago, if I'm a Premier League player, why? What can a union do for me really if I'm you know I've making good money? I'm in the, the prime of my career. I'm in Premier League. Why do I need a union? And I think what COVID has shown a lot of the players and hence, the reason for me being here is that there are certain stuff they cannot solve on their own. Yeah. So irrespective of how big the platform they have, or how well then then they're known, or the agent work, whatever, they cannot solve certain stuff on their own. So you know, financial fair play cannot be solved on your own. Online abuse cannot be solved on your own. The match calendars cannot be solved on your own. So you need so I think the players have understood the need to do stuff collectively. And to have someone sitting at the right table to influence those decisions, yeah, sure. Because it's all good to use your Twitter or Instagram account, but ultimately you need to be able to sit at the right table. Yeah, you need to get influence to the point. The, the decision. Action. Action, has to take you at know? some point. Otherwise, yes, 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 you can complain on Twitter, you can complain on Instagram, but unless you are sitting at the right table with the power to influence the decision, it's pointless. And I think this is what I think a lot of players have found out at, at the highest level. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very excited to to be here, and 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 I can see how. People are very committed to what we're doing.
2: Yeah, it's it's really interesting because when you when you first like almost your opening line of the podcast mm. was we are a union and and there's certain aspects which over the years, like looking at it from a fan point of view, you will hear in the press and see on Sky and whatever that a player has been fined two weeks' wages, for example. That could be a Premier League player. Now, when you when you look at that in in a kind of normal environment, normal job, so to speak. So if you work in an office, if I was turned up to late three times to work, sorry, if I turned up late to work three times, I wouldn't be expected, you know, to be expected to be fined two weeks' wages. So how does that fly in how football? How does that work in football that a club can decide, well, we're going to fine you two weeks' wages when in any other workplace that that wouldn't be accepted? I think there are a lot of things
1: that happen in, you know, in the football place that would not be accepted in any other place. Yeah. You know, I think, and I'm sure you'll agree, Ben, I think the, um, the power of the manager it's unbelievable. So your entire future depends on someone who can basically decide at his discretion whether he puts you in the starting level or not. And your career depends on that. Yeah. So when you think about it carefully, you know, this is like, sometimes I give the example, it's like you're rehearsing for a show the entire week, being so kind of thrilled and ready for the show, etc. And you turn up on Saturday and you just don't know if the person running the show will put you on stage or not. Yeah. Because in a normal workplace, if this happens, you need to provide a reason for it. You know to explain why because there's a risk of discrimination, etc. In football, you just turn up and say, "Ben, today you are sitting on the bench. Why? Because (laughs) simple as that. (laughs) You know, it's true. It's true. it's, It's 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 frightening because." You know, and that's probably one of the reasons you know that, that kind of led me to think about other options in my life. Not when I was playing, because it's you know when when you're 18 and you've got the dream of becoming you know Cristiano or Messi, which in my case never happened, but you know I tried hard. Um, Sometimes you accept stuff just because you've got a dream to to pursue, but when you become a bit more mature and etc., you're thinking, am I really doing this for money? So am I really kind of you know accepting that I'm gonna turn up on Saturday? Being out of the squad, and then my my kids ask me why are you not part yeah, of the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the answer is, I, I don't know. So this is one week, and then the following week again, and then again, and then again, and after five weeks, you just don't know what to say to your kids and to your parents, and and it becomes difficult, you know, because then the question. So a lot of people just think that that footballers just are just driven by money, and they're kind of those eleven spoiled kids who run around in shorts and and make a lot of money, and, and I think it's it's a very unfair description of the situation. I think. Uh, you know i was saying to someone the other day you know there are four million people playing football in this country Oof. four million only three thousand five hundred make it as professionals incredible so even the sub at lincoln city saw so me <laughs> has left 3.3.9 million people behind him yeah to get it there is it luck is it being spoiled kid i don't know but i give it a lot of value yeah and the other thing is you know for example i was a, i was a pretty good student but I realized that on the pitch, you know, my decision making was very poor. Really? Yeah. So, so, so the type of intelligence that you need on the pitch is, is a re- is, is a real type of intelligence. It's completely
0: different. It's completely it, different. It's to, a one. It's a
1: smart. It's it's a space. It's a, spa- it's a mm. spatial one. Is how do you kind of, kind of move within a certain space. How you can kind of move smartly. How you can pick certain situations. How you can kind of have a, an all around kind of vision of the situation. This is this is a way of of being intelligent. So in my case, I, I was a very. I'm mean, a good student terrible in terms yeah. of my intelligence on the pitch. Um, and I realized this has a value. And this is probably why people pay what they pay. For the top players. For the top players, you yeah. know, and and the ability to make decisions under pressure. So try to kind of go up and down the stairs here, the four floors, you know, for five minutes and then come down here and try to make a proper decision something which is important. That's exactly what people, the, the players do. <laughs> <laughs> they make tough decisions at 180 pulse a minute in front of seven thousand people and they're and there's 20, 25 so when you think about it kind of yeah. from a distance and you move away from the typical kind of dismissive narrative about about professional footballers who, who seem to be spoiled and make a lot of money try to do it yeah you think it's easy try to do
0: it you, you just as I say i've been, i've been <laughs> in football for 20 years and still every day you see players doing it but now and then on a saturday afternoon you'll come up against a big boy a proper player a world class player and then you see it. You
2: see it for yourself with your own eyes. What about and, the weekend, Ben? Oh. Sorry to interrupt. What about the weekend when you Arsenal. Arsenal. Exactly. I that. watched it on TV. I didn't go to the match. But it was the first time I've really sat and watched Odegaard. Yeah, and that. he is something. Odegaard
0: else. and Saka on Saturday—you can—they've <laughs> they, just got it. It's—it's like—it's so plain to see. And again, yeah. like people at home, like you said, there, are people at home on Twitter and all that kind of stuff will be going, "He's rubbish" or "He's rubbish." Even the Lincoln City defender, midfielder—the one that's on the bench—he's rubbish. He only plays for Lincoln City. There's what four million other people, three and a half million people that they've left behind. But like you say, they the the ones that you really do see the difference. You understand why they get paid the big money. But so when- it,
1: it, no, it's, uh, it's the beauty of I guess of the game. No, I think, I think you need to to learn to accept that in football, everyone thinks they can do better than you. Maybe on the pitch, maybe as a lawyer, a sports lawyer, maybe as an executive, everyone thinks that they can do a better job than you. Yeah, sure. And then the question becomes, why do you think they can do a better job than me? And the answer is, oh, I've watched a lot of football games. And then my response is, well, I've, I've been to the doc a lot of time. Does this turn me into a GP? Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. true. It's very but, true. But, yeah. it's fr- but, but, but again, at the same time, I think we need to accept that we get paid what we get paid because people have an interest and people comment and people buy and spend. So I think it, it, it's part of the thing. But but it's very frustrating because, you know, when you've been part of the, of the normal world, so when I was a lawyer at, at, at a law firm, forget about the sports side, just doing normal kind of legal work, and I filed an appeal, no one would dare challenge my appeal outside of other kind of specialists in this type of legal area. But in football, everyone <laughs> challenges your yeah, expertise, yeah, of course, you know? Yeah, They think everyone, they know better. Oh, yeah. They all think they know better. Most of the time, in my case is the case, it's true, they know better than I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's 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 interesting.
0: I'd say you're doing something right mate. 39 Absolutely. years old. Chair, um peer, chair, chief exec of the of the PFA incredible job. Um let's take it back to the football career quickly. Yeah. Um because I I don't know if a lot of people know that you were actually a player. Okay. Talk to me about your football career briefly if you if you don't if you want to go no. into details whatever I, but sure. I've got one question for you in a minute but yeah talk about your football career.
1: It's it's been um you know I think an interesting journey in the sense of you know it was an unexpected journey because I was playing you know, amateur football in Switzerland. I'd just been like um, Swiss champion under under 19. Um, and, and really the, the path was continue playing amateur football and study law. And all of a sudden, you know, one day someone basically brought um, uh, Brazilian players on, on trial at, at my club. And after the session, he said to me, you know, you're good players. I'm going to bring you to, to Barcelona. And I said, no. <laughs> so you've, you got the wrong person. <laughs> I, I am paying to play. <laughs> <laughs> So I pay my club <laughs> yeah, yeah. to basically allow me to your play. Subs, you pay you know? your subs <laughs> exactly. Basically. I pay my fees, you know. I said, "No, no, you're a good player, etc." And 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 the guy, like two weeks down the line, came and 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 basically got me a trial at Atletico Madrid. Wow, which is when you think about it, you th- you're thinking this young guy who only played amateur football in Switzerland. You know, he, h- how can he possibly kind of be successful in that trial? It's imp- it's impossible if, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Yet I went there and did well, and I got a contract. Wow. Then, How old were you at this time? Then? I was 18. Wow. I was 18. So, so then I moved to Madrid, didn't speak the language. Like like such an, an amazing kind of, you know, um, life opportunity to just kind of discover a new seed. I mean, you get, when you get with 18 to Madrid, it's like God exists. Yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> you know? It's just such an unbelievable How did that work <clears throat> at
0: the time? So the contract, I can imagine, like I said, when I was 18, I was on yeah. £250 a yeah. week. Madrid, very similar sort of money?
1: It, it it was I mean for for that age at that time it was good money yeah um but but I think I think money was money has never been kind of the, the thing is it's just a consequence of what you do yeah, right sure um, and um, it, it was fantastic that's why I spent two years there it was when Atlético Madrid was in second division uh-huh. and Fernando Torres just made his debut that season wow wow you know um, and um, and they failed to, they didn't they didn't go up so they stayed in second division that year you know and. Um, so I spent two years there. I was actually playing for the second team, and then and then I moved to to Germany for a year. Played in second division there, and then came here. Came here, played for Brighton uh, in the Championship. I think we must have played against I each other. I think we did, stage. yeah. Or maybe I was I, I was in the stand and you were playing. I don't know. Maybe I
0: was in the stand <laughs> as well, mate. Honestly, there's a good
1: chance. And uh, so then I was at Brighton. Then I went to Lincoln City under Keith Alexander. Yeah. What an amazing man, yeah. trailblazer, like you know. Probably one of the first black coaches yeah, in this yeah. country. And a fantastic guy as a person. Spectacular. And then I, I went to Oldham uh, under John Sheridan. Yeah. Then I was at Wrexham. Wow, you have done the, <clears> you've
0: really you've done the, the, the lower league ones. You were both, Ra- both at Wrexham. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was at Wrexham for yeah. a while as well. Were you? Yeah, I was at Wrexham online for race a while. Race ground. Yeah. yeah, the race course ground. Race, course, yeah, race yeah. course ground, yeah. yeah.
1: Fantastic. I mean, people out there are very, very friendly, welcoming, yeah, they are, sure. passionate. It's yeah. was, it was good. I keep great memories of it, yeah. So that's that's what I basically did, and then um, I had last spell at Gray's in the conference as well. Yeah. So effectively, I, I played in every category apart from Premier League. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so what was it? <laughs>
0: Where, what at what moment did you know or think oh, I've had enough now? I've had enough.
1: I think, um, as I said to you, I think you you evolve as a person, and stuff that when you were eighteen, you were ready to accept. I think when you were twenty five, no longer so. And I was asking myself, am I really ready to go through certain stuff just because of what? Because of money? Or or what exactly, you know, why am I accepting stuff that I would never accept? Yeah. You know, otherwise to be treated in a certain way by certain managers, certain kind of teammates or certain environments. And luckily enough, I had done my, so I studied whilst I was playing. Wow. So I did, a, I did two degrees, a law degree and a political science degree.
0: Two, so you did two degrees yeah. whilst playing? Yeah. Wow. So I was, to...
1: well, basically, I started like first going to university in Madrid. That's where my my girlfriend, which is now my wife, um, where I met her. And then she was basically then sending me the books to Germany. I sending the books to, to the UK and I'll just study on my own and just just travel back and forth for the exam. That's why EasyJet became so successful in the country. I financed them. Wow. You know? uh, and 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 basically my my studies finished at the time that my contract in brighton finished and i and the question became do, do you want to continue being this you know average player uh, which pursues maybe the dream of one day being in the premier league but but the reality at that stage was n- not really that or do you give yourself a chance to have like maybe a successful career elsewhere and um, and i decided to basically try the different route and and it's funny because so i left brighton i think it was march what age, sorry? Uh, 25. Yeah. And I joined Baker McKenzie, the law firm. I was fortunate enough to, to be able to join the, this American law firm called Baker McKenzie um, in Madrid, because that's where I studied. And and when I joined the firm, I thought, well, you know, let's give it a try. Then depending on how it goes, I may just kind of find a club in the summer because that was April. Yeah. And, um, and that's where I realized that, you know, at the time, the partners, so the highest level of, of lawyers, they were 32, 31. So thinking then, my idea of having a career until 35 or 36 and then having another successful career off the field it it wouldn't be happening because yeah, then sure. I would need to start as an intern exactly, at 36 yeah. and hence mm. so then and w- I realized that, that that partner was making like very good money but not just for 10 years for as long as his career was last so the question became do, do you want to kind of stay like a pretty mediocre player going here and there and then at 35 then your life will go downhill mm. or you stop early and you give yourself a chance to have um, maybe a, a, a successful career career that's, off the field so that's what's really that, what's that
0: like when from going to so you're you're a professional footballer you're training day in day out that's your job and then all of a sudden you're going into a law firm and you're working there is it is that a big old sort of culture shock for you
1: it's very difficult because you need to you need to reinvent yourself yeah you know, and, and to start with, you know, I, I realized I had no hobbies.
0: Really? Never, never had any hobbies.
1: Because the reality is that since you're eight or nine, football, football your life revolves around football. Yeah, sure. And and people don't realize, but really the, the weekend there's never been a choice. The it's week, football. The weekend is basically you rest if you play on, on yeah. Sunday, on Saturday, and then you play on Sunday, and vice versa. So all of a sudden you, you miss the structure around around football right because as you know you, you kind of you stru- it's very structured on Monday, you do this until you, you do that you get told you what to do exactly and all of a sudden yeah. there's no structure around you so you need to to kind of reinvent yourself from that perspective and equally you know you get to that law firm and you know at 25 you're already kind of towards being an experienced kind of player within the, the dressing room but in real life you're a baby yeah sure so all of a sudden they treat you like a baby you know so you know the client here, take care really, of the client, yeah. and like, but but I played in front of twenty five thousand people, you know. So it's tough to to accept that you need to kind of start from scratch again, reinvent yourself, accept that you know that you need to kind of again go up the the ladder and 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 challenge yourself and and
2: earn kind of a space for yourself, you know. I think that's amazing, though, the point you made about being a baby in life, because we look at footballers and we we all watch a lot of football, I'm sure, and I know our viewers do and stuff and when you see a player hit 32 33 and they say they're a veteran um yeah. <laughs> and they and they're retiring yeah. i mean you're 39 in a month and then in the footballing world that's really old but then when the career finishes even at 40, you're a young man. I and you've know, got mate. many if, years ahead of you. If you could
0: you. feel my knees and back and no, everything no, no, no. when I get out of bed in the morning, I don't but, feel like a young man mate. But no this chance.
2: is it is true though, isn't it? Because <laughs> no. if you go mid 30s and you then walk away from football, you're you're a very very young man which is I think part of the conversation we've been having lately is if you've got had a very very good career, you turn 35, 36, you finish playing football, you might have some money in your pocket, which is great, but then what? If you don't want to go into coaching and don't want to go into media, yeah. So, not so, everyone gets the option to do that. No, sure. I think,
0: I think the, the so say, for example, so what would your advice be to, to anybody coming towards the end of their football career, for example, like maybe retirement a year, maybe two years in the future? What is your advice to anybody at that age to try and set in motion something for after football?
1: I think to start with, acknowledge that when you stop playing, the phone goes silent. Sure. Irrespective of how many titles you, you win, because pe- because people win titles every year, yeah,
3: mm-hmm. just so, keeps moving, so, doesn't it? So
1: you think that you you're special, but you're not special because people win titles every year. So there are people winning the Champions League every every year, yeah, and the FA Cup and the Premier League, etc. And, and I think you know when you're asking the question before, you know, some the question that people ask me a lot is, you know, what does a league two players have in common with Ben Foster? You know, What do they have in common? And I say, well, much more than people what people think, mm. because to start with. 99% of the people when they stop playing need to work. Most of them because of the money, because from 35 to 85, Oof. you better have done a lot of money.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, and and not just that. The problem is not how much you earn, is how much you spend.
3: Yeah, for sure. The problem is
1: what you have ne- left net in your bank account, because when you used to play for Tranmere in League One or League Two, you used to go to Benidorm on vacation. When you move to Premier League, and your teammates go to the Maldives, you typically go to Maldives as well on yeah, vacation. Sure. And you switch your Fiat Punto for a Bentley. Your standard and of
0: living just becomes uh, more, uh, so, higher. So,
1: so, so yeah, you say to me, yeah, but you can control it. Yes, you can. But up, into, up to a certain extent, you know, and yeah. you'll be dragged into certain type of investment that you wouldn't be dragged into when you're in League 1 or League 2. So the question is, yes, you make a lot of money, but then you also spend a lot of money. And the problem is that when you stop playing, the invoice for the big house and the big car still comes in. Still needs paying. Yet you become the assistant manager at some whatever random club in League 1, League 2, on the conference. And what you used to make a week, you make it a month. Mm. Gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gross. And hence, 99% of the people need to work because of money and 1% need to work because of purpose. Because players are people who are competitive. They are there because they are driven, because they they they'd like to compete, they like to have a, a meaning in their life. And when you stop playing, what do you do? When people ask you, what do you do? And you know, I know people, I've got a friend of mine who won two back-to-back Champions League as a starter. He's struggling now. Really? Me- mentally, because what do you do? Um,
0: what's his purpose? Exactly, basically? W-
1: what's your purpose? Yeah. You know, and and when the answer, when there's no answer, it's tough. So, and this is across the board. Yeah. You know, and money or, or status only increases certain difficulties and and, and certain I think, situations. I no? think that that can be that can be scary. You know,
0: it really can. It gets I overlooked. Think it does. It massively gets overlooked. I think one of the bigger things that opened my eyes up was actually the first initial COVID lockdown, Maheta, because. I'd never been in that situation where I'd had three or four months completely off at home, sort of away from everything. You wasn't allowed to go and do anything. And it really did get my brain thinking, would this be what retirement's like? Do you know what I mean? I've got no no purpose almost. I've got nothing to do. I've got got nothing really to drive me to keep fit. And because one of my big drivers of why I get on the bike a lot is because I know it aids my football. When I'm on the bike, it keeps my legs strong, my head clear, all that kind of stuff. For a, for a brief period I had a couple week period where I thought well I, I don't want to get on the bike because I haven't got no football to go forward to and then what do I do and it was a weird period honestly it was such a weird period so I think that for me was a massive eye opener of right I need to I need to get something going I need to get into something like I say I've got hobbies anyway but I really want to set in motion something where after football I can just seamlessly sip into but it's hard because
2: not everybody can do that well it's a little bit like yourself Maheta you, you realised for for probably one reason, um that you wanted to do something else and um, obviously went down a career, which you've done, which has been very successful. And Ben, you're probably in a different camp where you're kind of thinking that 1%, what's the purpose? Mm. So you, you'll you hit 40 and then it's what then? And that's what we've done with the podcast, with the YouTube channel. We, we've kind of built something for you long term yeah, and with, sure. our, with our agency as well. But I, one of the key questions I wanted to ask you is, do you get many players that might be on, £1,000 a, a week rather than a £100,000 a week? Do you get many players that approach the PFA that are maybe 29, 30, that say, I need some help to figure out... Some guidance. What I'm going to do in yeah. three years or two years?
1: Yeah, I think that the beauty of, of what I've seen so far is that you get both. You get very successful players who say to you, what's next? You know, you've gone through that yourself. How have you kind of faced it? What type of question have you asked yourself? How have you kind of identified, you know, what value you can have for people outside of football, and then you have people you know with, with a more modest career who have, who have different type of, of of issues. No, so yeah. again, this is across the board. It's it's across the board. I think the one thing I, I tell them all is, I, I think football is such a powerful platform for you. So you can either let the system use you yeah. until you're no longer fit for a purpose, and then you're replaced, or you can use you use the system to your advantage. So right mm. now, as Ben Foster, Premier League, I would say. 99% of the people, business people you talk to will at least give you a chance to, to talk to them. Sure. Just because you play in the Premier League, because you've got a career, because you've got a name. If you do it now, they'll open the door. If you do it in two years' time, you can one more of the 50,000 stop playing. Too late, almost. And then it's going to be maybe too late because then people see you as someone who maybe is, is Seeking, seeking like an opportunity and then maybe they're not desperate so a
3: bit desperate Tracked. yeah
1: sure whereas right now you can you can leverage the fact that you're a Premier League player that you've got the status that you're still appear on TV so it's almost acknowledging that the business is like this yeah and accepted that you know you'll be used but the question is, is can you then turn this into you using the system for your own advantage yeah whilst you can do it and then once once it's time to move on. that just, just accept that life is like this. I would love to be seen the same guy that appears on TV like, you know, that appears on that screen 20 years ago, but I'm not. Yeah. And I'm sure you, my my wife will confirm it, you know. <laughs> that's, that's the reality. I'm no longer that young guy who, uh, no, I'm I'm what I am. You're different. It's, you're just different. It's it is of, what I it, am. It's part of life. Yeah. You know, and hence you need to accept that you're no longer that young 20 years old guy who thought that you could kind of wasn't beatable and now you're in different phase of your career. You've kind of Taken on board all the stuff.
0: Yeah, I think it's not,
1: I th- not better or worse; it's just different, no? Yeah, for sure, different. Yeah, um, I think
0: w- one thing I've really sort of noticed over the last not not couple years, maybe four, five, six years, maybe um, is the voice of the sportsman and how how much weight it carries nowadays. You saw with Marcus Rash- Rashford over lockdown with um, the school meals, um, all the incredible work Raheem Sterling's been doing with regards to racism. Um, nowadays, now- nowadays, modern sort of sportsperson they they what what they say actually. Does it goes a long way now? They can make decisions and change things for the good. Really influ- They're really, really influential, people, don't
2: they? Yeah. And we were talking about it earlier on, just before we, we started the podcast, weren't we? You you came into role in July uh, last year, whilst the Euros were on, and there was one particular incident which I want to talk about, where Pretty Patel had said um, that the England players had been displaying gesture politics with for the, the, the anti racism. Yeah. And then Pretty Patel also posted a tweet saying that they were disgusted, um, <laughs> that she was disgusted that England England players um, had been given abuse and racist abuse at that. So like Tyrone Mings, this is last year, a year ago, Tyrone Mings has come out, put a tweet out and saying, you don't get to stoke the fire at the beginning of the tournament by labelling our anti-racism message as gesture politics and then pretend to be disgusted when the very thing we're campaigning against happens. Yeah. As a player, Ben, what, when you see that, what do you think about that? It's brilliant. I think um, there's, there's so many
0: players who are afraid to do things like that. And rightly so, because not everybody's intelligent enough to put it in a way where it, it makes sense and you can back it up with an argument and stuff like that. But obviously Tyrone Mings, he's an intelligent guy anyway. And mm. the way that he's worded it was absolutely brilliant. But he, he's he's bob on, though. He's right. He, what Pretty Patel was trying to say was basically, you're just doing this for... Going through for, the motions. Yeah, exactly. You're going through the motions. And then, like you say, when it happens... You know, you you don't then get to come back and say like it's a disgrace because we've been telling you about this. We've been trying to sort of campaign against it, kind of thing. So yeah, it was brilliant. But like I say, I don't think I don't think everybody can do that just because they they might not have the sort of the intellect to be able to put it down do in words. Co- the way it should do you be think done. it's
2: a confidence thing as well? Because you've got to remember the players. A, a lot of the time, will have a, a fairly easy kind of they'll they'll go through life playing. Um, a lot of them are quite private. But do you think by making a statement like that or putting a tweet out like that? You're entering new territory, aren't you? Yeah. Is for it sure. ever some Have you ever thought with a, a a kind of current event or something? Have you ever thought about has anything ever triggered you to think I want to use my voice to say something?
0: Um, I think that for me personally, I've always worried that I'm not sort of a big enough voice, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I think I think as I've get, gotten older, I've probably learned to not really care too much now what people think of me and right. when I type stuff. If I like, we we were speaking earlier, weren't we? We had to wear, if you come with an opinion of something, you better be able to back it up as well. So if you if you feel very strongly about a certain topic, whatever it is, whether it's something in the in the news, um, anything like that, then you've got to have solid foundations for where you're going with that. Um, but yeah, it's something that maybe like in the future, it's something I can I, I might be able to sort of get involved with something like that. But to be honest, with you mate, I'm quite busy. Yeah. <laughs> I am, mate. That's I'm it. quite busy. I I think I'm working three full time jobs at the minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with a with a cycling GK and and the Fozcast and on oh, that football job as well that football job yeah that football well. one's quite yeah. important isn't it but it's true though the the voice of the the modern sports person Maheto, it's brilliant though it's 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 cha- you can see change happening can't you
1: I, I think the, the the level of commitment in general of the players is just unbelievable they're informed they're smart you know they're committed they see the big picture they they, they see beyond their kind of individual interest and the victory of the weekend they, they see the bigger picture yeah. and. But you and I were discussing before. I think football is a reflection of society, and not just football, is any company right now. The voice of your own employees is just very different. You can no longer instruct people to do stuff. You need to bring them along with you on a yeah, journey, sure. and they expect you to bring them um, with you. And if you don't, they quit. Yeah. You know, maybe you and I are of a generation where you know I was saying to you before. I never said no to anyone. You just did it. I just did it. Yeah. But just that so it was not part of my of my kind of my system to think that if my dad said something, it was just like this. Yeah, sure. And if I had the thought to maybe go a different direction, I'll, you know, <laughs> quickly understand why <laughs> I had to go back to the, the, yeah, sure. the, the main course of action. And and I think what I realize myself now in, in in management, you know, of of people is just the approach of you know kind of thinking that people are happy to be told. It no longer works. Really? works. And and I think I hope that. That again, I think football can lead the line in in kind of suggesting a different type of governance. I think nowadays the employees or the players need to be part of the discussion. Yeah, they need to be part of you know what is happening because otherwise you, you have a problem as an empl- as a company. Yeah, for sure. They will either not perform or quit altogether. Yeah, um, and, and that's what we're trying to kind of hopefully change.
0: <clears throat> I, I think leading on from what you're saying there, so when when it the the players having a voice and having a say on on certain topics. Um let's take for example the the new notion of trying to get a new World Cup every two years. Yeah. For me, I I would from from the outset, I would say it's just too many games. It's too many games. I think footballers play too many games as it is. It's great for TV and it's great for the fans at home, but I've I've seen it at clubs where they have a Premier League game on a Saturday. There's a charity, no, sorry, not a charity, a um, like a League Cup match on a Wednesday. Then it's another Premier League game. Then it's an FA Cup on the Wednesday. Then it's a Champions League match. And then once the season finishes, you're straight off with the international team. It's it just seems like it's too much for me. It really does. And I, I worry for players kind of mental health, all that kind of stuff because you see in cricket, players go away with the cricket with England and they're away for months. Yeah. And how many stories have we heard of recently where players are coming out and they just said basically, I'm burnt out. I am. I'm burnt out. I can't do any anymore. My mental health, health has, has suffered so badly. I need to take a break from this.
2: I think that's, that's, the evolution of football, it's getting there and it is catching up with the sports. But I think importantly, one thing that, that does need to happen is for the fans to, as a whole, I know some everyone's different, but I don't think there's the understanding there that players are allowed to have problems. Yeah. I think there is still a perception that you get paid £60,000 a week so what are, you, what are you worrying about? You see it all the time. Just Comments, get on with it. Get on with it, Twitter. But it, it doesn't matter how much money you earn, does it? If, if you've got a problem, you've got a problem. Yeah, sure. Um, and I guess when we're talking about retirement, if you, how do the PFA help players that are having a kind of um, hard time mentally or addictions, for example? Is, is this something that, that the PFA are heavily involved with?
1: Yeah. So, so we, we have um, a mental well-being department. Okay. <clears throat> And equally, we, we cooperate with sporting chants who specifically do stuff around, you know, addictions, etc. Yes. Um, I mean, my key is something that I really feel strongly about because my, my dad actually is a psychologist. Brilliant. Work with people who have problems of addiction, drugs, alcohol, et cetera. So it's something that I've, I've seen, you know, some of the devastating effect that, that this has on, yeah. on families and, and environments. So you have a bit
0: more of an understanding yeah. of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's... Um, but going back to the point that you're making about, you know, getting on with it because you earn whatever amount of money, I think. Ultimately... You know, you know, I'd love to protect the product football in the sense of I want my kids to fall in love with football the way that I fell in love. Yeah, sure. And I fell in love because my heroes, my idols, was giving me the best version of themselves. Yeah, of course. So when I go and, and I'm a Sampdoria fan, you know, so I see Mancini and Vialli and all those guys, and they were playing Saturday, Saturday, Yeah, Saturday, Saturday, and sometimes midweek game. So I had the feeling that when I was seeing them playing, that was exciting. That was cool. Whereas I think now sometimes the question of, you know, you go and watch a game and I see, I see my, my kids find it boring. Yeah. But not because they don't love football, because because they love it. And yes, of course, the discussion about, you know, the attention span, uh, whatever, yes. But the reality is my kids have followed like a second division game in Spain, 90 minutes, when they see like the best version of whoever is on the pitch. Yeah, beach. sure. Yeah. So, so I th- I think there's a concern on the, on the mental well-being part and the wel- on the welfare of the players. Yes, of course. But also the discussion about, you know, y- you, we both live or we all live from football for a long time and we're fans. And and I want to protect the product football, you know. Yeah. I want to continue enjoying this. I want my kids to enjoy it. And I'm I'm afraid that when you play on a Thursday in Bolivia at La Paz, 1000 meters, you play then on Saturday in Berlin at minus five, on a Tuesday in Leipzig, on Saturday again, you know, uh, in, in London, it comes to a stage where, and fortunately, unfortunately, the football live from their bodies. Yeah. So it's not a question of just turning up to work. So when I was at the law firm, if I had a bad day, that I could manage even a week, even a month. Don't tell my former boss, but I could manage. Yeah. But on the pitch, you cannot. No, sure. You need to be able to give you 100% for yourself because you are a competitor, but equally for your fans. Yeah. So I think the discussion needs to go a bit beyond the typical kind of stereotypes of, yeah, you make a lot of money. That's all good. But let's now talk about a bit more, kind of in a more sophisticated way. Those guys need their, their 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 bodies. Yeah. At 110%. You need to be fresh. You need to be fresh because otherwise it doesn't work. So what do you want? You want to see a show which is not what you actually pay for, by the way? And and then you, you get upset about not seeing what you want to see. But then the question becomes Then people do other stuff. They're going to, you know, on other stuff. And I want them to stay in football stadiums. Yeah. Not trying other sports or trying sorts of entertainment because you can we compete against... Not just against basketball or, or cricket, we compete against all the sources of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: With, with know, regards <clears throat> to with regards to the, um, the the mental health, the the um, the gambling addictions, all that kind of stuff, have have the PFA seen an increase in the amount of calls they've been getting, messages, sort of cries for help, that kind of stuff? Um, because I, I I don't know, what, I can't remember what I've read, but I've read something that since COVID, um, everything seems to have just gone off the scale.
1: Yes, for two reasons. Because I think COVID made us all think a lot about our life yeah, and where we're, we're heading to and what we want to do in life. And second, because I think there's more of an understand that it's fine to be fine, to be y- not yeah, to be fine. sure,
0: yeah. It's more accepted, isn't you it? You know,
1: I, I think when, when I was playing, I think it was a bit of a taboo, you know, and, and you'd go to psychology if you had a problem. So like a, a pathology. I've yeah. got a problem, I go to psychologist now. People understand that, why do I spend so much time in the gym when the most important thing is my head. For sure. And I invest zero time and energy and resource into the most important thing, which is my head. Yeah. And I think there is now a better understanding of the need to be preventive and the need of, it's fine not, not, not to feel okay. Yeah. And you need to share it. And sometimes just put put into words what you feel is the beginning of a recovery. Yeah. No? Um, and I think so there's more awareness about the, the need and the, the ability to, to, to speak up. And equally, I think there's a, an increase in, in concerns. Yeah. You know, we just live in a world, which is very kind of stressful. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, co- continuously now it's COVID. You Not know, tomorrow is the, the war. Before that, it was what. So, it's just a constant level of stress, latent. You know, it's just there. It just stays you know, just I stay think, there. You know?
0: I think um, it's one thing I want to see. So obviously, like I said, I'm coming towards the end of my career, but I think. It's one one thing I really want to see implemented in within football, within sports organisations, whether it's whatever sport it is, whatever arena it is, um, is more help for the mental health side of things because, like you said there, that. Sure, more calls and it, it's becoming better and it's not so much of a taboo anymore. But I know for a fact there's some young players that just really struggle with it, mate. They do. They struggle with life. They struggle with being this sort of, this sports person. Do you know what I mean? They they almost label themselves as a sports person. Mm. And then they go on Twitter that night and they see all the poison and the rubbish and the crap and it just seeps in. It just constantly, constantly seeps in. I think I would love to see it get to a place where it's almost mandatory that... Virtually every player has to go and see somebody, whether it's once a month, once or whatever, but some, some sort of thing like that where it's, where it's implemented in football nowadays. Because too many people just go silent and they suffer in silence well. Look, as at,
2: well. look at what you, you, you said earlier on, Hatter, about um, a player maybe not playing for five weeks. So if you're a young player, burst on the scene, 20, 21 years old, you social media... You play a good couple of games and social media adores you, Twitter, Instagram, whatnot. Then you might not play for four or five games and you're on the bench. Now, what's the reason? Now, as a young man, as a a young man, a young lady, 20, 21 years old, how do you cope with that? Mm. Like actually going and seeing and chatting to someone and saying, listen, you know, does this happen at football clubs? Do they say, listen, you're young, we're easing you in. Is this conversations that happen at football clubs?
0: Not brilliantly. No, not brilliantly. Um, I think a lot of that depends on the manager. Um, it's how that manager is, and you'll know that yourself, Is if, they're, if they've if they got the people skills to be able to do that in the first place. Because not all managers are brilliant people persons, are they? They don't have to be necessarily the best sort of at dealing with relationships and building rapport with people. They That's not their remit. Their remit is to get results on a Saturday afternoon. So sometimes if it's a kid, for example, and you're just told, no, you're not even with the first team today, like... It's it's so hard. I don't know what the answer is, Maher. But really when you've don't. got
2: thirty players, maybe that, that it could be a resource thing where the manager can't exactly s- yeah. sit and can't speak tell to everybody. an academy yeah. player and say because he's with, with the greatest respect, he's got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, but, for but sure. The problem
1: is, that, you know, there is this mentality still in football club that you need to be tough. Mm. Yeah, and to get on with it, you know, that that's life. Yeah, but being tough does not need to be. You need to be treated like like a. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah. You can't do what you. You can't say you know, what you want and do what so you, you want to you people. Can, yeah, you can. Of course,
1: of course, football is is brutal and it's very competitive, and you need to be tough. But to be to become a tough person, you don't need to be treated in in a bad way. Yeah, sure. You can you can be treated with respect, and yes, still, you know, get get the level of 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 mental strength to achieve what you need to achieve. And there's still this this feeling that oh, get on with it. You're on the bench. You get on with it. I don't need to give you an explanation. But I'm a human being. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, uh, and yes, you're the manager, but you're not, again, I think the, the level of power that the manager has is, is, is really frightening. Yeah, and, it and, is. And, scary, and, and isn't it? People don't, don't forcibly kind of understand the way this works, no? And, and I think I, I think that in general, managers have evolved, you know, um, because maybe kind of they start to understand better what, what's going on. But I think there's, there's room for, for improvement. And, and equally, I think ultimately the clubs are conflicted you know, yes, they're going to listen to your problems, but ultimately they need to look
2: for the interests of the club. Yeah, they want results. Which so, is fine. Is that a cultural thing within clubs though? So, so for example, you might have a player approach you or a player's representative approach you and they might say, oh, it's this player, it plays for club A. Do, do you know, as, a, as, you know, head of PFA, that certain clubs will have a better culture than others? So, for example, if you hear, and I'll Pick a club at random, Blackburn Rovers. where you think, ah, great? The infrastructure, the management, the whole structure from top to bottom is really good there, so we can help them. Versus a club where you go, that's a tricky club.
1: You, you tend to know which, which clubs have a better culture than than, than others. Um, I think what we want to be is this independent sounding board for the players, because we don't have any other interest than them. So we, could, we can really kind. Of, so, so to me, it's, I go back to the point of we're a union. We're not the employer the PFA should be doing more hold on a second those players play for a club the duty of care is on the clubs Mm -hmm. so they need to they need to do it they need to pay for it now who is best place to deliver the service us because we're independent we've got no financial interest and you can you can talk to me freely but I think there's been a mix here of oh well the PFA needs to do it no the PFA is best place to deliver the service but the club the burdens on the club who basically makes money yeah (laughs) And and basically makes
0: the most of the performance of the lad. And no, that no, they see that player day in day out. They Correct. see that they know them better. So I
1: think I think I think we can be this, this independent kind of sounding board. Yeah. But ultimately the burden is on the club.
0: How, how um, have you how have you found the job? So you've been in the job now for what a year?
1: Uh, eight months
0: what I've we, we we've met each other a couple times today we've had some really good conversations even before we came in the room um but you, I love the fact that you strike me so much as the guy that basically you don't really care what's been done before you obviously you know what's gone before and you, how it works and all that kind of stuff but for me Growing up through football, it always seems that from all these sort of higher organisations, the FA, the Premier League, all that kind of stuff, it's kind of just, well, that's just the way it goes. That's how we do it. That's always been that way. But I love the fact that you seem to have come in and it's, no, um, no, we don't do it like that because we're a modern organisation now. We are trying to do it the right way, not the way of how it's always done the right way is have you have you come up against many sort of stumbling blocks or sort of people that are like well uh, hold on a minute that it doesn't work like that
1: well, as you can imagine you know people sometimes are not used to that type of approach yeah i think as as we discussed before i think the beauty of, of my situation is that first of all i've got nothing to lose you know it's not as if i'm, I'm concerned about you know this me i just I, i'm here for the right reasons yeah brilliant so i'm really here because i think that the voice of the players of the athlete is at a level that is unprecedented. Yeah, not been seen before, sure. It's never been like this level of 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 platform of understanding of the collective strength, etc. Um and, and I'm not kind of I'm not here to hang on to your role or to your money. You know, I, I could be doing I could go back to your law firm and make more money than what I'm, I'm doing here. Really? So I'm not it's not we all want to pay our 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 bills and invoice but it's not I'm not driven by by you know I'm driven by the idea of trying to help players because I've been a player myself. Yeah. Then I, uh, so I, then I went on the other side of the fence and saw how clubs think, you know, I, mm-hmm. I had to interact with agents as well. So I, I, I've seen it from different angles and hence I think there's a unique opportunity to really try to help and I'll do whatever is right to do Brilliant. without being kind of hamstrung by, oh, let's see what this guy thinks or the other guy thinks. At the same time, I hope that that the various stakeholders understand that since I've been in different positions, I, I, I get it. So I'm not I'm not someone to, to, to want to be a radical in, in his approach. It's just let's try to
2: work together. It needs to be good for everyone, yeah, not just for you. I think that was when you were when you were, you when you were announced yeah. um, when your appointment was made. I think there were were people questioning it. But the more we talked to you and when we were doing our research for the podcast, you come at it from you've experienced it as a player mm. and not a player that played twenty years in the Premier League, for mm. example. So you understand the, the kind of difficulties that players face, but you also I've got the legal perspective, doing what you do, and you were CEO at Miorca? Yeah. So they were in the what was it? The league below the Segunda.
1: No, we did everything. So we actually had everything with them. I had the relegation, and then two back-to-back promotion from League One to to La Liga. Wow. So I, you know, it was just like seen everything such turmoil, a, such an experience. success, like the worst. Yeah. So not being able to go with my family for the last three months to the stadium because they're literally kind of abusing us and throwing stones to the the kind of the coach, etc. So it was like really bad. To experience it with my kids are a promotion, like in front, I just, um, so at top, bottom, like nothing in between. Whole spectrum, yeah. yeah.
2: who, who, Who else would have experienced has well, that got your experience? I'd, I'd say that's the reason probably why he's in yeah, the job, to I be honest. So. <laughs> because
0: every box was let him in tick, like he's been there, seen it, done it, kind of yeah. thing. It's brilliant, isn't it?
2: When you were in Mallorca, I've got a quick question. I watched a um, documentary not so long ago. When you got relegated. Malaga. No, Mallorca. Mallorca. When Majorca. you got relegated, were you in the same league as the other Mallorca team? Yeah. Because historically. Correct, yeah. Mallorca was a Primera. Yeah. And then. There was always two leagues. Are we talking the Mallorca that used to play in the stadium in Mallorca? Correct, yeah, yeah.
0: That yeah, bad boy. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we go cycling Crif. in Mallorca sort yeah, of thing Crif. every yeah. every year. We'll go, we're will go. we going to the end of the season, actually. Yeah, yeah. And you go past the old stadium kind of yeah. thing. You're thinking, so Mallorca, I'd love to we, sign for Mallorca FC. I oh, would walk. Oh, Get yeah. me there. There you go. There, was always, there you go. There's <laughs> a deal.
2: Um, but there was always two leagues between the teams, wasn't there? And then all of a sudden, one, nah. got promoted, yeah, one got promoted, the other got relegated. relegated. And what uh was that like?
1: Your spot on, it was... It was, it was amazing because I think, um, so what had happened is, you know, when I joined the club that was in, in January, 2016 and we were sitting fifth from bottom in the second division and had been there for the last five years, although Mallorca was always a, a La Liga club. So there yeah. was already, it's like, he's like nothing. I'm first sitting fifth from bottom in yeah, the championship. Sure. Yeah. So people are really already upset because they should be in the premier league and yet they're in second division in the wrong hand of the thing. Yeah. So we stayed in the division and then the following year went, went down. And then when you go down to League One in Spain, it's not like here is not one group; it's four groups of twenty teams. Really, there's no direct promotion, and to go through a playoff to get promoted. So the
0: top teams from each four leagues then go a into playoff. a playoff. Exactly. Wow.
1: Um, and as, as, you were say- as, as you were saying before, Tony, um, when we went down to third division, then we actually coincided with the other team on the yeah, island, which yeah, is Atletico yeah. Baleares. And obviously, it was it was a very tough situation because you know Mallorca was not used to that. Baleares was like the the game of the year, etc. But it's beautiful because I think it has I think there's no hero without anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And yeah. hence
1: being able to face the local the local river kind of sparked again this feeling of belonging to the uh-huh. club, which was good because we beat them, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. We lost it was different, but so I think I, you know you could see how the people kind of felt even more attached to the club yeah, after yeah, this victory. Yeah. Great season, got promoted, and then straight, straight promoted again from Segunda to La Liga with like with a budget of 5.5 million wow like for players and, and coaches a penis, wow yeah. okay yeah. that's incredible we're we're like the 14th budget in Segunda and um, we made the playoff in sixth won the semi-final then in the final we played against Deportivo La Coruña wow yeah another historical club yeah, in Spain sure, yeah. and yeah, uh, they had Champions a budget thing. of 22 million Gris-
0: and, that sort of Griezmann era, like probably, probably just a bit after that to be fair Griezmann wasn't he but yeah Anyway, and, sorry, and, sorry. <laughs>
1: and, 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 and the funny thing is that we lost 2-0 away from home, first leg, and we beat them 3-0 at home.
0: Oh, so that wow. was just Oh, that's the best feeling in the world. What an
2: experience.
0: That is the best feeling it
1: in the world, just, isn't it? Uh, just amazing. But, um, but going back to the point that you were making, I think people, <laughs> one of the first programs went to on, on BBC or radio, they said to me, no, but surely there must have been people more Premier League games than you. Why, why were you <sighs> picked? And I said, well, first of all, ask the people who, <laughs> who picked me, not me. Yeah. And second, I said to them, I think what well, people don't realize, the PFA is a £30 million institution Yeah. with 55,000 members, 65 employees, yeah. uh, the oldest sports union in the world. Yeah. And I think it takes more than having played games in the Premier League to run these <laughs> yeah. organizations. Not as easy as... And you've got to have a bit of a business <laughs> you know? head on you, haven't you? And I think that's what I say to a lot of players is, what what you learn unconsciously on the pitch is so valuable decision under pressure resilience competition i mean so many skills which are so valuable in the in the normal world but then you need to complement that this with, with other stuff yeah
3: for sure yeah because, a lot of other stuff because having
1: been a great player does not turn does not turn you into, into a great manager yeah and does not turn you into, automatically into a great sport director or into a great chief exec so if you can complement the experience on the pitch with a proper solid education and training then you then you're unbeatable yeah but it needs to be one and the other. So I can have played 400 games in the Premier League, but I I may not be able to run a £30 million organisation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> M- Maheta came in in the, um, in the summer because, um, well, just probably just to introduce himself to the lad, say hello, all that kind of stuff. Came in with the referees. Um, he had us eating out of his hand, he did, honestly. <laughs> we were like birds all around his hand eating the so, seed out. He was incredible. So you were he, a brilliant mate, honestly. He got up in front of everybody, in front of probably 40, 50 people in, inside the canteen. Um, he spoke so well, everybody was just straight away like, yeah.
2: He's, so what yeah. happens like that? You just, like, it's an impromptu meeting called in the canteen? No, it's the, not impromptu. How, it's it's every, it Work.
0: Every every season you have um, the referees will come. They'll kind of try and introduce, like not introduce, they'll explain like the new rules. There's always little tweaks, little bits and bobs. What they're going to be hot on this season. What they're going to make a point of like highlighting all that kind of stuff. And then obviously because Maheta had just been in- appointed, um, it's his time to come and in and introduce himself, tell him what the, the what he's looking forward to getting at uh, uh, working at all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's how that's how he came into the building. It's good though, mate. You're very good. good. Very, very good, it's honestly. Good. That's it, interesting, really. It's not, interesting. it's not an easy job that, you know, getting up in no, front of sort 40-50 of no. lads and sort of then delivering to what, what, what you actually and want to thing. do. It's really good, a, mate.
1: And there were a few familiar faces because Cucho. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd signed Mallorca.
0: Wow, yeah. Oh, so, wow, okay. Yeah. Well, he's got an absolute. He's got a banger. the other weekend, weekend yeah, didn't he? he
1: did. So we signed
2: Cucho on loan um, from Watford. Yeah. 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 There you go, then. There you go. Cycling GK does Mallorca we are we're end of the season we're <laughs> out to Mallorca as soon as the season finishes
0: as soon as the season finishes we so uh, the last game's on the Sunday or Saturday Saturday Sunday 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 and um, on the Monday we're flying out to Mallorca wow. four days we're going to go take the bikes out all that kind of oh, maybe we should mate, see if honestly. we can get
2: into the stadium and have a That'd be cool. Are you any good on a bike? There's, there's a cycling oh, track. There's yeah, a track, yeah. isn't yeah, yeah. A track, yeah, there?
0: Yeah, there is. Yeah, they, we ride it. We, we've yeah, never yeah. been there, actually. But it's one of the routes that people do, is ride down to it, do a few laps around that, and yeah, then carry a, on kind track, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. No good on the bike, no? Terrible. Really? Um, bike and
2: swimming. Yeah, we are, but we enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, we are. Not We're not me. the
0: best, to be fair, mate. Um, <laughs> you're 39 fair. years old, nearly 40. When are you 40? June? Yeah, July. July, sorry. Any plans for your
1: 40th? I'm kind of boring, you know?
0: <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not, head No, you're definitely
2: not, Mahesa. <laughs> no, you're not.
0: Just up. low key. You like it, low key. Nice yeah. bit of food, a yeah. bit of wine. Yeah. That'll do. Boom. That's it. That sounds good to okay, me, so. mate. To be honest, yeah, I'm <laughs> so, happy with that. Yeah.
2: We were talking earlier on about training, yeah. um, and obviously the PFA aids and will we'll offer grants etc. to players to retrain yeah. and help them. When you hear players talking and co- people in particular that go through coaching and they'll say, "I've done my badges." Is that done through the PFA? Yeah, so so we
1: can also so we also we have fifteen coaches, instructors who basically help you get in your badges. So we, that's not a service that the PFA provides in terms of um, coaching education. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, guys like Frank, another uh, um, um, Gerard. Yeah. These badges with us, uh, Arteta as well. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, no, it, and i have got a very good coaching kind of stuff.
0: The thing I've noticed is it's mainly the. <sighs> you don't find many players doing it in their 20s. It's mainly the players that are sort of 30, 31, 32. Um, once you get to that age, it's then it's almost like I might do my badges. And even if they don't want to go into being a coach or anything like that, a lot of players would still go and get is their it badges. It's a default thing to do, but It's kind of is a default thing to do because one thing that footballers know most of the time is football, yeah. at least. They they they've got knowledge of tactics, they they understand the day-to-day workings of how football clubs work. And it's almost like they're setting um, that they're, they're set in of what they like doing. They know that they can turn up into work on a uh, nine o'clock on a Monday. They'll be leaving by two o'clock in the afternoon. Friday night they might be in a hotel. Saturday's the game. Sundays are warm down, and they've become so ingrained in it that it's almost the easy option. Do
1: you but, know what but I mean? I think sometimes what I hope that we can do is get them to think it's not just a question of what I like. It's a question of where are the job opportunities.
3: Yeah. You know,
1: so for example, a lot of people say, I, I, "I want to do media studies." Yeah, but there are only so many pundits, yeah, sure, and so many podcasts, mm. and and hence you need to think. First of all, are you at the level that you think you are to deliver on what you you plan to do? And second, are you picking a profession where there's maybe it's too crowded, so not not everyone has, has your ability. So n- so people just think that stuff are easy.
0: It's easy. It falls into. It's, it's an ego so thing it's with it's footballers. It's not easy to turn it up and, and, yeah. and run the podcast
1: yeah. as, as you're doing. It's 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 not it's not for everyone. Yeah, sure. And hence, I think the work we're trying to to do with the players is, okay, but why do you do coaching badges? Is it just by default? Or is it because you really think that you're good at that and second, that there'll be like a job opportunity for you? Yeah, sure. If not, try to think about another niche where you can find your own space that you're good at and you may not be competing against 20,000 people. Yeah. And I think that's the type of thing that, by the way, we're launching a new PFA business school. Okay, brilliant. So we're creating a new school to basically train players for for the for the world of business sports f- business or anything so it's going to have like five main pillars yeah um healthcare nutrition um um media law leadership and management and then um coaching and sp- and football so wow. so this
2: is specific to football
1: so it's the first time there is a product which is from the players to the players brilliant wow so is this you know?
2: is this a reaction to uh, my understanding was that there was a an online course in Denmark, I think it was, mm. that that was, they were offering three-year courses to be done online for like £300. What was the course for? Um, it was for, did it, in sports management. Okay. So it's sports management and when COVID hit, this, the fees went from like £300 to £8,500. Is this something you're aware of and is that a reaction to, to no, this? No, I, I wasn't aware of that
1: course. I, okay. I think... Um, Again, the beauty of what I do is that I'm not here to turn a profit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. So that, that, that's very important. So I can focus on the quality of what we do. Uh, second, I think it, came, it comes uh, on the back of when I left Mallorca, um, I became the co-director of a program for FIFA, where basically we train executives around the globe. So this went from Carlos Bocanegra, who is now the yeah, vice yeah. president of Atlanta United, is it to, really? to Senderos, who is now Sendero's, the, the sport, yeah. sp- sporting director at Servette, Is it to the president of Crusader in Brazil, or to Cannavaro, who was also part of the course. So we kind wow. of selected 30. Um, most of them former players, but some of them not. So executive in the football world, and we yeah. trained them. So we put them in front of you know, Peter Moore, Liverpool FC, Arsene Wenger. So we really put them in front of different type of very top executive for them yeah. to learn. And I could see the level of interest. I could see the traction that he got. And I was always very keen you know, to do something similar at the PFA if, if and when the opportunity kind of... Um, presented itself
2: that's fantastic An and um,
1: yeah it is isn't it should be really cool yeah I'm, it, I'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to come and Talk about your experience For in the sure, media honestly. world and what you've learned. It's and
0: brilliant. I do. I love it because I think there's, there's so many players that just get to sort of 34, or 35 and they just haven't got a clue what to do. And they'll do header. the badges. Yeah, but they'll do got, the badges. If you've got the sport, uh, Exa- business angle. You need other options. You do. Because I, I think a lot of the time they just, they don't know what they're interested in. They don't know what yeah. they want to Great. do. But if you can say, no, you can use your skill that you've got Correct. and then apply it to this Correct. and then you can do that. And I think that's where people need help. So I think that is, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. Explain how that would work then, because is it going to be sort of available to absolutely everybody, anybody that's a member of the PFA?
1: Yeah, I think if you look at similar programmes, those are programmes that basically try to open the door into football for people who are not part of the industry. Uh Now what we want to do is a programme which is tailored for the players and for the players' needs. I was giving you the example of you know, if you put a course in the morning, the players cannot attend. Ah, sure, yeah, so, of course. So, so at times players cannot kind of pursue the study just because the way this is structured is incompatible what they do yeah. for a living. So the idea is to say, well, listen, if I train in the morning, we all know that you know, by five, six, you're done. Even if you stay longer, do some gym work, by five, you should be done. So then from five to, say, nine, you have four hours, which, you know, what do you do with those four hours? Yeah. We would love to give a chance to the players to make the most of those four hours they have every day, if they wish to. You know, maybe go for a hybrid model where they can go in part in person and attend like actual courses, or also do it online. You know, and for example, we're discussing before that, there are certain days in, in the year where a normal person is off, but we're not. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so the typical twenty seventh of December, yeah, where everyone Christmas is having, you yeah. f- yeah. enjoying and drinking. We're sitting around at the hotel anyway. Yeah, because we would have played on the twenty sixth and play again on twenty eighth. So why don't we use that day? You know, Block it out. F- go and do something. For do something positive. Exactly, you know, yeah. Learn about media. Learn about law. Learn about management. Learn about, you know, uh, healthcare. So um, yeah, I think we're, we're very excited. We hope to be able to involve like um, interesting people. You know, from from different levels and different stakeholders, yeah, Sure. former players. So I can tell you already that you'll be invited to be one of the speakers, Beautiful. lecturers. Look forward to that. Would be great. I had to. I'm not yeah.
2: being funny, but like having players, because obviously they'll have access to like obviously coaching, what they want to do yeah. with coaching, conventional media as we know it, go, i.e. punditry. And then like for example, having Ben come down, and what Ben's done is so unique. Having him speak to some players that might be. Um, enrolled would be really invaluable, wouldn't it? It's
1: it's fantastic because you know you 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 can only be what you see. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and hence sometimes you see the distance being so far away, and yeah. you, you know why not? You can be a very good goalkeeper. You can play. So I think your example is good because you can be actually playing week in week out, and still have time for, to do other stuff. Yeah. And one one thing does not preclude you from the other, because mm-hmm. I think there's still this narrative about. Oh, I, I was talking the other day to. Uh, to an Arsenal player that I will not reveal his name, but but a young guy who is very smart, and I said to him, oh, "I've I've learned that you're very smart. You've got A levels, so what are you studying?" "Oh, no, I need to focus on my football." And so there is still this narrative about I need to focus on my football, as if you know. It needs to be like the only thing in, yeah, in life. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can be very focused on football yet not put all your eggs in, in one basket. I think
0: I think it <laughs> uh, Maheta, I think it's so important that you have other <laughs> avenues of interest. You have cycling. to. You have to have hobbies. Like say, I when I when we first started the cycling GK, then there was times where we would lose a game, maybe two, three nil, or whatever, and I'd still put a vlog out or a video out, and there were people going, "You should just focus on football." You
1: and I was thinking, "No, do you know what? I shouldn't actually because but, but it's like it's like it's like you being a plumber, and people say to you when you stop." working read books about watch plumbing (laughs) plumbing? no (laughs) no Or, or, or you're a lawyer so when you finish working at six you go back home and you read the constitution yeah no yeah because as a lawyer, when you get out of the office, you, you just don't want to hear about law anymore. The last thing you want to do is hear about <laughs> you law. You want to have a drink with, with. But the problem is that we as, as players cannot have a drink with our mates because that's incompatible. Exactly, with our life. Yeah. And hence, what do you want us to You've do? You've got you to find kind of, something. You need to find something which is constructive and can help you and, and hopefully your family as well.
0: Yeah, brilliant, mate. Um, okay, so I was just talking about social media there. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, I think in football at the minute, it's, it's massive the amount of abuse, sort of racist <laughs> remarks, all that kind of stuff that footballers have been receiving. Is there anything? the PFA can do or have been trying to do to work with any of these social media companies Twitter, Instagram for example um, to try and stop it because we've seen so many times that if Instagram want to put a filter on certain words or certain emojis they can do it but it's just they sort of pick and choose sometimes
1: It's very clear Uh, I think we did a study uh, this summer which covered between three and four million posts it's a pretty comprehensive study and um, the outcome was that you can identify who's making the comments you can report those comments both to the platform as well as to the the club because most of the time you can establish a link between the person who makes the comment and the club. And then you can basically ban them from the stadium. But the third conclusion is that if it's it's not happening it's because people don't want it to happen. Yeah, sure. Because it's part of the model. The more people comment and do, it's part of the model. This is about eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. More users. But but, but to me, uh, you know, my personal view is that you need to go beyond that. And ultimately, I think in life, I think you... Out of 100 people, you have 15 people who are just hopeless, um, and 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 I'm not I'm, I'm I don't want to spend time focusing on, on them, yeah, sure, and giving them a loudspeaker and a platform to to just sh- show their stupidity. Yeah, I want to focus on the 30 who are on the fence. Yeah, you know, and i was thinking what should I do? And depending on circumstance, it would be a, doing one thing or the other. I think those are the people that we need to win over. Yeah, but I think not from the negativity, from the positivity. So on the the, t- the topic of race, let's talk about positive story about race. Yep. You know, let's talk about a Fern Whelan, You know, exactly. he's an ambassador at Brighton, such an advocate for an, a number of different things. Who's black? Yeah. Let's talk about Les Ferdinand, who's doing very well at QPR, being a former player. Let's talk about Chris. Powell, who sat next to to, um, to Gareth Southgate in the final of the European Championship. Let's talk about Ashley Cole, who's doing very well. Yeah, Let's talk about my, my story, being someone who is not friend with anyone, not son of anyone fancy, yet can be the PFA chief executive just by working hard and based on meritocracy. Yeah, So I think we need to, in my opinion, I think this is like when it used to be the case that we just put the, the cameras on, the, the typical stupid guy would just walk on the pitch and do st- stupidity. They stopped showing it on TV because they felt that, this was giving those people sure, the, yeah. platform the platform yeah. that they didn't deserve so yeah. to me it comes to a stage where we need to kind of go after those 15 people are just useless people yeah. so we need to punish them Yeah, but that's it then I want to spend, don't highlight it I want don't to spend time on the 30 or 35 or just on the fence because half of the people just get it yeah they get diversity. They just conceptually understand that it's just good for society. It's just good. It's the right thing to do. Uh-huh. But you have sometimes, you know, the 30, 35 out of 100 who are on the fence, and depending on what what happened, they see it one way or the other. And we need to convince They're them. The ones that you from, need. That that diversity is not about them. It's just that even if you only think about this from a business perspective, diverse workforce give you better financial result than, than uniform one. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, man. So I think you you need to work on on those kind of people. From I think from a positive angle, not from a, the angle of the victim, and, and if I'm honest with you, that's what I saw at home. So I, I'm the son of two immigrants. I've, I've been a foreigner all my life, but the narrative will never, oh, you know, we're victim. Oh, we don't get this because they said you're gonna be different. Yeah. Accept it, either because the way you look, because of your accent, or because the, you're gonna be different. Now the question becomes: Do you want to turn this difference into something positive? Yeah, sure. Or into something negative because you're gonna stand out. Yeah. The question is: What do you want it to be? And hence. Study, for example. So my, my father said to me, don't, "Get a proper job. Don't don't tell me about sport. Tell me about being really? a lawyer, being a, a journalist, being an engineer. Don't tell me tell me about was sport." He, was
0: he was a little bit resistant to the football very, man? So, was he
1: very much? Wow. So when I had the chance to go to, to go to Atletico Madrid, it was not it was not a source of pride in my house to be a sportsman. Incredible. Now with with time, I think I would disagree with their perception of getting a proper job because it is a proper job. Yeah to be a sportsman because it, it takes a lot of effort to get there but I understand what they're trying to say in the sense of with education you can beat anyone yeah sure irrespective of status of race of gender you can really compete against anyone based on, on your training and education and and I've learned that it was true what he, what he said to me no um
2: I'll I tell I'm you longer. what you just said there about standing out well it's fair to say you definitely stand out I think <laughs> I, honestly mate brilliant.
0: you've been absolutely incredible today I hope Thank everybody you. at home has enjoyed it because I have buzzed office. this you've enjoyed that fantastic. that's incredible isn't it I would say that the the chief executive of the PFA being you I know that we are in good hands mate honestly change honestly it's really important it's really really important you're doing a fantastic job and long may it continue Maheta Malonga Thank, thank you so much, much mate. absolutely top class right. we always finish every podcast if you don't mind mate I think you can look into that camera um, I'll look into this one over here so I'll go first Tom and then you and it's literally a f- hand up and it's up the Foscast
2: up the Foscast <laughs> up the Foscast <laughs> love it brilliant. Brilliant. brilliant well done thank you